Hey, welcome to Rockbridge, and uh, my name is Matt, one of the uh, pastors on our team. And hey, you saw that on the video, uh, we've got mission trips that we're, getting, that we're opening up for signups this, uh, this weekend. So you can visit a connection area if you're one of our six physical campuses. If you're uh, digital or you don't have time uh, after the service, you can go to rockbridge.cc slash missions. Love to have you consider participation. I, I'll just say this, I think if you're able to, Every Christ follower ought to try to go on some kind of mission trip at least one time in your journey and be part of and understand uh, what God is doing in the world and how we as a church, even from like right here in uh, the greater Chattanooga area in northwest Georgia, how we're able to live sent and help people experience Jesus worldwide through your generosity, through our praying, through our giving, through our going. All right, so we are continuing our series called The Crown, and we're going to get into God's Word. Before we do that, I just want to ask us to just have a, a brief moment of silence to kind of focus our heart, steal our heart, and open our heart, because I believe God's got something for every single one of us, all six of our locations, and those of you that are watching online. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, and let's just be still and know that He is God. God, this is your word that we're about to open. It's authoritative, it's sufficient for everything we need to have life in the name of your son, Jesus. But God, we need help because we can be hard of hearing and our sight can be blurry. So I just invite you, Holy Spirit, who inspired this, this word, to illuminate our hearts, our minds, our eyes so we can see what you're saying and live what you're commanding. So God, meet us through your word. Help us to leave different than we came in. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. So we're in 1 Samuel. We're going to be in chapter 28. If you have a Bible, you're welcome to open it up, turn it on. You, of course, follow along with me. So I ask you a question. What's the greatest need? in your life right now. And, and you can write it down, you can just hold it in your mind. And, and, and so, again, there's usual suspects, right? I mean, we know there's people in our midst battling marital difficulties, financial difficulties, health difficulties. We know there's people in our midst that need wisdom for decisions. We know there's people that are in spiritual strongholds of the demonic, of addiction. Uh, we, we know that we've, maybe we got issues with our family, our kids. So we, we all have needs, but, but we're going to zero in this weekend through the Word of God on the greatest need, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something, and you may want to disagree, and that's okay, and I just ask you to be open to how the Word of God guides you, guides us together. I think we all have the same great need all the time, and I do believe this, the message that we're going to get through 1 Samuel 28 will help us see that great need and then understand how we can meet that great need in, in our lives. And, and I, I, listen, I'm going to forewarn you, there's a seance in this chapter. There is a witch that gets consulted in this chapter. And I, I just love the Bible because there's just so much in it that you're like, wow. I mean, it is not about perfect people doing perfect things. It's not about good people going to church all the time. It is real world, real life, crazy stuff, okay? And we're going to meet ourselves 
in this story. So the, the author in 1 Samuel does something interesting uh, in, or in this section of 1 Samuel. So the first two verses, which we're really going to hit next week, and I'll explain that in a minute. David is, as we left him, he's in a place called Ziklag. He's a mercenary for the Philistines. He's like, he's an Israelite, he's a Jew, he's going to be king of the Jews, but he's kind of working for the enemy of the Jews. He's in a bad spot, in a bad way. If you were here last week, you kind of understand that. And then the author does something, and he goes and he says this, by this time Samuel had died, which we know, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in Ramah, his city. And now we switch back to Saul, and Saul, when he became the king, had removed the mediums and the spiritists from the land. So that would be everything from the horoscope people to the witches to anything that was necromancy, all that kind of stuff, he had gotten rid of that. Now, that's interesting. So what we need to note is this is not written in chronological order, and a lot of people think the Bible is in chronological order. It's not. The order of the Bible is, is by design, it's part of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So the author, if it were in chronological order, it would go 27, 28, 2, then to 29, and come back to the section we're in now. Why does the author do it this way? Because he is wanting us to compare both David, the future king, and Saul, the current king, and how they respond in a crisis. And both of them are in a crisis of their own making. Amen, right? We've all been there. Okay, we've all been there, and we'll see how David handles it. We'll mostly deal with that next week, but we'll get a snapshot this week. We're going to zero in on how Saul handles a crisis. So let's look at the crisis. The Philistines gathered and camped at Shunem, and this is their perennial enemy, right? So Saul gathered all Israel, and they camped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the Philistine camp, he was afraid, and his heart pounded, which has become sort of a typical reaction to Saul in the presence of his enemies. Here's what's changed, okay? Here's, and you've got to understand the military situation. Uh, that Basically, Judah, or, or the people of, of Israel, lived in the hill country, and the Philistines would raid them, but the hill country, they had advantages, the advantage of topography, the advantage of being able to hide. So the Philistines stop that and they move in on a key trade route in open terrain where they have chariots and chariots don't really work. In mountains, they work very well in open terrain. So that's kind of the military situation that explains why Saul is like, this, we are no longer in a safe, in a good space. Okay, so that's the crisis. But then verse 6 reports another crisis. He inquired of the Lord. But the Lord did not answer him. In the three ways God tended to speak, in dreams or by the Urim, which the priests would conduct, or by the prophets. Now, here's where we have to understand something. This is not the greatest crisis. This is the greatest crisis. If you're in a spot in your life this weekend and God feels silent or you don't know God or you're not sure what to do next no matter what you're surrounded by or what's going on circumstantially this is what we want to focus on so let's kind of look at where Saul is all right <clears throat> so he has no longer has access to God's word he's cut off from God's presence the prophet Samuel has died, and we'll see in a minute he doesn't have godly community. These are all ways that God brings his grace, favor, mercy, wisdom into our lives, or into Saul's life, into our lives. So the negatives are he has his sins 
that he's committed and the burdens that those sins have, commit, have created for his life. He has the Philistines and then the military situation. So his life, like if, if you picture your life or his life like a big gigantic tank, there's massive holes in the tank and the resupply is cut off. And, and so this is a picture of Saul. Some of you are like, amen, that's where I am too, right? But, but I want to I say something to some of us, okay? And if the, if the shoe fits, I want you to wear it, okay? A lot of us, we come to a church, or we come, and this is our life, and, and you know, we haven't been in church, we're not opening the Bible, and so there's no positive intake into our lives. Now, and listen, here's, here's the deal, and, and I'm a realist, and I love you too much to lie to you, right? This is the world we live in. We sin. We have burdens because of those sins. We have opposition. We have enemies. And your situation may not be military. Maybe it's marriage. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's addiction. But we have all these things sucking the life out of us. And if we don't have God coming into us on a regular basis, then this is the explanation. This is why we are where we are. This is why Saul is where he is. And so we can't cut ourselves off. So when people say God is silent and their Bible is closed, well, duh. When people say they don't need the church and then this is what they complain about, well, it, it's, just, it's just built in. When people are like, I don't need small group church membership. Ah, oh, no big deal. I'm not an organized Christian person. Like, that's one of the ways God fills you back up. So Saul is just, this is where he is and there's no intake. And so he does something, okay? Now, you got to remember back in verse 3, it said when he became king, he got rid of all necromancy, consulting with the dead. He got rid of all the witches or the horoscope people, whatever you want to call them, okay? And then in verse 6, he turns to his servants. Find me a woman who is a medium or a witch so I can go and consult her. Remember I said he doesn't have godly community? He's got ungodly community. Because they do it. They do it. His servants replied, oh yeah, we can help you. There is a woman at Endor who is a medium. Because there's nothing good here, Saul is going to look for a substitute. And the substitute is a witch. And his community goes along with him and says okay we'll go find her we know one she's an indoor we must have missed her in the roundup but so we're going to go look for her and we're going to find her and, and, and listen I, you know it's easy for us you know 21st century like what an idiot he's so stupid but have you ever done something you once said you would never do I mean I have I, I have and, and, I, and I think it just shows something about us and I'll explain why I believe God put this in the word and why God allows this to happen in just a minute but I do think, let's just meet ourselves in the text. I, I, I know from my story, and I can only speak for myself, I know there's times in our lives where we're so empty that we're like, I just need something. I don't even care what something is. And, and something that our parents raised us never to do, we suddenly think, we're good. Ah, I think I'll try it. Something we know that we know that we know is not right. Saul obviously knew it wasn't right because when he became king, he kicked them all out and he got rid of all of them. But it, suddenly now it just becomes maybe that's all I got left. 
we're just trying to fill the tank up. We're just trying to fill the tank up with the wrong stuff. So, so let's not be too hard on Saul and act like we're better than Saul or more self-righteous than Saul because there's a little bit of Saul in all of us. And I think when we understand it that way and think of it that way, <clears throat> we can meet ourselves in the text and, and understand why God puts this in the text. So, but let's think about it. What does Saul think he needs most? That's the question I asked you when we kicked this off. And I, I think Saul would say, hey, I want to get rid of all these negative things. I want relief from these negative things. Uh, Saul's thinking, I need more and better information. So God's not talking. So I'll go talk to the witch. I, maybe she can help me. And, and maybe Saul believes he needs military preparation. So information, preparation, removal, and relief. And, and, and I would submit to you, and I think the text teaches us this, that's not the greatest need he has, and that's not the greatest need you and I have. The greatest need in my life 100% of the time, the greatest need in your life 100% of the time, the greatest need in Saul's life, and it's really obvious when you compare it to instead of consulting God, he's consulting a witch. And I think that extreme is put in there by the author under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to show us that the greatest need we have right now is to have a personal, dynamic, vital relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And that'll never change, no matter if you're facing the Philistines or what. Now let's break this down. When I say personal, I don't mean that you and I get to define the terms. I, I mean that we know God personally. When I say dynamic, that means there's no status quo in the relationship. We're not complacent. It's a dynamic relationship. Vital, it's life-giving life-giving let's go back life-giving life-draining life-giving Saul has none of that and thus he goes and consults a witch now let's see this in all of scripture okay David the one we're comparing and contrasting says this I said to the Lord you're my Lord I have nothing good beside you nothing God is so good I have no good beside you Another Psalms, my health may fail, my heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Jesus, when he's a little boy, he does something his parents can't stand. They don't understand it. He says that he left Jerusalem. The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't know it. They'd been traveling in a large group. When they did not find him, they go to Jerusalem to search for him, and they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. His parents saw him, and they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And Jesus says, And if you don't understand that the greatest need in your life is a personal and dynamic and vital relationship with God, hear it from the Son of God himself. And Jesus says, Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? That's what's most important. But they did not understand what he said to them because they thought what was most important was that he be in their little caravan in that moment. And, and Jesus takes it another step as he matures and becomes a man. Uh, and he says this, if you want to be my follower, you must by comparison hate everyone else. 
father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. What he's saying is the number one most important, most pressing, greatest need in your life is to stay in a relationship of being my student and following me. And then in John chapter 5, for all of those who, says, who say, hey, my greatest need is I've got so much to do, John, Jesus in John would disagree. He says, yes, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So if you're worried about you've got all this stuff to do and you're defined by what you do and have done or have not done, Jesus would say, hey, listen, that's not what's most important. Your most important is to stay connected to me in a personal dynamic, vital relationship, because apart from me, your life will amount to nothing. So if that's the greatest need, to to have a personal, dynamic, vital relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, there are three steps, only three steps, and one of these fits every single person here listening today, online, in any of our six locations. Everyone has a step to take. You either need to Begin a relationship with Jesus. Regain or restore the relationship with Christ, God. Or you need to strengthen your relationship with God. Everybody, including me, is in one of those three. If we agree, as the word of God is teaching us, that the greatest need is to have a personal, dynamic, vital relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. This is Saul. This is some of us. This empty, what do I fill this with? Saul's gonna fill it with a witch. Not gonna work out well for him. But, but, but again, let's not pick on Saul because some of us have filled it with a boyfriend. Some of us have tried to fill it with money or sex, drugs and alcohol, busyness, careerism, ego, pride, You may keep going, right? This is Saul. The invitation at the cross begin, come back, strengthen. So we see see Saul in a a crisis and we see Saul in, in pure desperation. And I think all of us have been or will be in a crisis and in desperation. And, and, and sort of the, the thing about a crisis and desperation is a crisis reveals. What does it reveal? It reveals what's there or what's not. Desperation directs. The question is, where does your desperation take you? Does your desperation take you to the cross where we meet God most clearly and see his love most powerfully? Or does our desperation take us to a witch? This helps us understand why the witch. Why does God put it in here? And we go, is that possible? What's going on? That's weird. Why I believe the witch is in the whole Bible is this. It shows us first how far Saul has fallen. I think it shows us how far we could fall or will fall without God. And, and, and perhaps most importantly, it shows us that in the absence of God, something else always emerges. The else part, Saul's is a witch, yours may be something else, but it's still a bad place to be. And it shows us all this. Something 
that puzzle piece that I showed you, something's going to, you're going to try, I'm going to try to fit something in that. Something's going to be ultimate. So, there's a God spot, if you will. Something's going to hold that spot. And we're going to watch Saul try to put a witch and have a seance there. So he disguised himself by putting on different clothes. And he set out with two of his men. They came to the woman at night and Saul said, consult a spirit for me. Conduct a seance. Bring up for me the one I tell you. But the woman said to him, you surely know what Saul has done. Remember, he outlawed being a spiritist or a medium or a witch. For he has cut off the medium and the spiritist from the land. Why are you setting up a trap for me to get me killed? And then Saul swore to her by the Lord, as surely as the Lord lives, no punishment will come to you from this. Well, who is it you want me to bring up? The woman asked. And Saul says, bring up Samuel, the prophet. When the woman saw Samuel, she screamed. I don't know if she really, maybe she was a fake witch. I don't know. But Samuel comes up, and, and, and a lot of you are like, Matt, can you explain this? I'm like, not really. No, I can't, okay? Anybody who thinks they can explain everything God does, everything God allows, they're lying to you because you can't. You just got to live with the mystery. So, so don't expect me to like, oh, there's a witch, there's a seance, and Samuel comes up, okay? Let's just go with it for right now. Why did you deceive me? You are Saul. But the king said to her, don't be afraid. What do you see? She goes, I see a spirit form coming up from out of the earth. Then Saul asked her, what does he look like? He says, an old man is coming up. He's wearing a robe. Then Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he knelt low with his face to the ground and paid homage to him. Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? So a little insight into heaven. Or a little insight in the Old Testament, it might have been called Abraham's bosom, uh, not fully uh, the heavenly experience until Jesus comes along. But he's like, I like where I am, why are you bringing me back? You know, that kind of thing. And, he's, and Saul says, well, I'm in serious trouble. All those minuses and no pluses. The Philistines are fighting against me and God, major crisis, has turned away from me. Now again, force a ranking. Force a ranking right now because everybody's facing something, right? Everybody's dealing with something. Everybody's got needs. Force a ranking, okay? Do you agree at this point? Do I agree at this point that no matter what I'm fighting, I'm fighting cancer, I'm fighting to save my marriage, I'm fighting for my prodigal, I'm fighting for financial thing and to get out of debt, I'm fighting at work, I'm fighting to make the right decision. Would we agree, though, that the greatest crisis is God has turned away? And, and, and I think the drasticness of the witch is designed to show us this is how bad it is when we don't have that personal, vital, dynamic relationship with the living God. So let the, let the, 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 the craziness, let the, a witch, a seance in the Bible, let it shock us. But it's designed to shock us to show us the crisis is not the Philistines. It's that God's not has, has turned away from Samuel or Saul, excuse me. He, so God has turned away. He doesn't answer me anymore, either through the prophets or in dreams. So I've called on you to tell me what I should do. I need information. I need something. And again, the mystery of God's permissions. God just permits this to work or permits this seance to occur and Samuel to come up. Why does God do it? I think to show us the state of Saul, I, but there's just mystery there. 
And, and it, the point of the story is not does, that magic doesn't work. I mean, the point of the story is not that magic is, 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 not, that, magic is not futile. I mean, it, it, so he gonna, he's going to get Sam, a word from Samuel. But it's that magic is disobedient, rebellious, and pagan. And, and, and what Saul is doing is what we do. He's looking for something that's practical at the expense of the relationship with the living God. Give me something that will work. Well, the seance works, but you should never be in that spot. And it's even crazier because if you take out a map and look where Endor is, you know where he had to go to get to Endor? Right near the Philistines that he's scared to death of. It's so, I mean, sin, and when you and I are apart from God, we do dumb things. And it is dumb militarily, it's dumb spiritually, and it's just crazy. But because, because we've lost the relational connection to God. So Samuel answers. He says, listen, since the Lord has turned away from you and become your enemy, why are you asking me? And he starts talking about what he told Saul back in chapter 15. He says, look, the Lord has done exactly what he said through me. I'm not going to tell you anything you don't know. The Lord has torn the kingship out of your hand. He's given it to your neighbor, David. You did not obey the Lord. You did not carry out his burning anger against Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this to you today. Nothing, no new information. See, listen, if you're in that category, I said there's three next steps, right? Begin strengthen or restore if you're thinking today this weekend i need to restore regain my relationship with god there is a point in your journey whether it was six months ago or 60 years ago or six days ago where god gave you a word through a sermon through a devotional through a godly friend and you said no and thus began your journey away from god you didn't necessarily go to a witch but you went to something and it wasn't of God. And God's going to call you back to that same point of departure so you can regain a personal, dynamic, vital relationship with him. All right. So Samuel does add one other piece of information, and it starts to point us to the end of this series, the end of 1 Samuel. The Lord will also hand Israel over to the Philistines along with you. Tomorrow, you and your sons will be with me. You're going to die tomorrow. And the Lord will hand Israel's army over to the Philistines. Immediately, Saul falls flat on the ground. He was terrified by Samuel's words and was also weak because he had not eaten anything all day and all night. So, So what do we get from this that applies to us today? Because I, I don't think God's going to necessarily allow a re- repeat seance, all right? And don't even try it, okay? It's disobedient. But there's something for us in here because God put it in the Word of God. God's message is relentlessly consistent. And, and let me say this. If God is silent, or you per- let me say it this way. If you perceive God is silent, it might be because nothing else needs to be said to you. You know. Because you had the word of God 20 years ago, two weeks ago, two months ago, 25 years ago. You just ignored it. 
And that's exactly what Samuel says. He's like, what do you need from me? I to- when I was alive for Samuel 15, I told you exactly why these things were happening. I told you exactly what God was going to do. I told you exactly what God expected of you, but you chose to do it your way. All right? So God's message is relentlessly consistent. And, and, and sometimes God has to do dramatic things or allow dramatic things or give permission for dramatic things to occur in our lives. And sometimes God speaks like this. <clears throat> hey. But he's telling us a, a message that the greatest need we have is a personal dynamic vital relationship with him so that gives us three steps and only three steps begin one restore it or strengthen it now the, the crazy thing is this I, I i think there's part of saul that thinks maybe god will change his mind and, t- and, and here we know t- time and the situation that saul's in they don't change god's mind they don't change god's mind now we can change god's response to us but we have to have a proper response to him. So let's compare David. David's in a crisis of his own making. He's a mercenary for the enemies of Israel, and he's supposed to be the king of Israel. That doesn't make sense. But look what David does, and we'll get to this next week. David was in an extremely difficult position, just like Saul. This is the beauty of the Bible. We're comparing two people, two kings, one king to be, one current king. But David found strength in the Lord his God. David, who was far from God, David, who had broken fellowship with God, came back and found strength from the Lord his God. And then David doesn't go ask a witch. David asked the Lord, what do I do? So what changes God's response to us? Repentance and dependence. Because when we repent and declare our dependence upon God, God strengthens us through his love displayed on the cross for us. We can regain relationship because God will take our sins. He doesn't change his mind about sin. He hates it. He just places that sin on Jesus. And, and, and we can begin a relationship by coming and seeing what God does, did for us in Christ. See, here's the beautiful thing. When I, I said time doesn't change God's mind. Situations don't change God's mind. But repentance and and dependence change his response to us. And here's how it works. He made the one, Jesus, who did not know sin, Jesus was sinless, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So God's not going to wink, nod, and say, hey, no worries. No big deal that you consulted a witch. No big deal that you tried to fill that puzzle in your heart with your job, with money, with your girlfriend. What God's going to do when you come to him in confession and repentance and declare your dependence upon him, God's going to take that sin and put it on Jesus. And that's what he thinks of that sin, but he's going to be, now he's able to change his response to you and either begin a relationship with you or you can regain your lost relationship, your relationship with him because you've been distancing yourself from God. Or you can strengthen your relationship with God by remembering and reminding yourself and falling deeper in love with him because you appreciate what he's done for you when he put your sin on his son. Let's look at it another way. At this point, Saul looks cursed, snake bit, and just the venom's running through him. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. 
For it is written in the scripture, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. A prophetic announcement in the Old Testament of how Jesus would die when Jesus became the curse for us. So again, God, we're, the curse is still there. God's got to have that curse fulfilled. So either we fulfill it or Jesus fulfills it. When we put it on Christ, God changes his response. And now he can love us and have fellowship with us and adopt us and save us. Because Jesus hung on the tree for us. Powerful, right? There's three steps. And everyone here is in one of them. You're here and you're like, man, I'm growing. Man, I know I have a personal relationship with God. It's dynamic. It's vital. It's life-giving. Apart from him, I know I can't do anything. You're in the category of strengthen. And I want you to ask, we'll give you space in prayer in just a moment. What, do you, what step do you need to take? What do you need to do to strengthen that relationship with God? You never can get satisfied or complacent. Regain. Some of you realize you've either, you've, got, you've plateaued, you've backslidden, you've ran away from God. He's still your Lord, he's still your Savior. But you realize there was a point of departure. There was a spot where God asked you to or to stop and you said no, or God asked you to go and you said no, or you delayed obedience. Maybe you haven't been baptized. Let's regain. Let's come back. Confession, dependence, repentance. And then the third step, and again, one of these applies to everybody here, is begin. You're in that spot where you're like, I, I don't have a relationship, personal, dynamic, life-giving, vital. I don't have that. But I, I, but I want it. And I sense God calling me, working in me. There's something happening, Matt, and it's not, it's not me. And it's certainly not Matt. It's, that's, that's the Holy Spirit. So right now, I'm just going to give you space and you talk to God in one of these three. And, and if you're in this, I, I need to begin. There is, there's no magic prayer. There's no special words. But you just say, God, come in. God, you've, I, I, God you've, you, you died for me. I'm saying yes to you. Strengthen. Regain. Begin. Would you bow and let's pray. You and God, just talk quietly tell him where you are tell him what you've heard give him your yes In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.